Design New Podcast, Episode 6. If you are looking for tips, tricks, and inspiration to keep your life on purpose, join us in my free Facebook community, Create the Life You Want, hashtag Design You, and surround yourself with other people choosing to live by design and not by default. Are you ready to create the life you really want? Welcome to the Design You Podcast where I talk to everyday people who know life can be done differently with a clear mindset, positive attitude, openness to growth and their willingness to take life to the next level. Get ready to design you. Hi guys, Tina Murray here. Today I'm welcoming to the drawing board Adam Jones. Adam is a structural engineer who consults on sustainability in buildings, who is constantly looking to learn and grow as he works towards influencing positive outcomes for our planet. As a volunteer lead researcher for the not-for-profit Beyond Zero Emissions Project, his goal is to eliminate cement emissions. Host of the What You Will Learn podcast, he reads a book a week, and as host of the Future of Structures podcast, he interviews experts who are evolving our buildings to meet tomorrow's challenges. Join me as I chat with Adam on the way forward. All righty, you ready? Ready to design? Ready to design, <laughs> Tina. Beautiful. Adam, thanks so much for joining me on the Design You podcast. Hello, how are you today? Fantastic. Thanks, Tina. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Tell us, what is it you're doing right now to design your best life? So right now I'm... Uh, working a normal, I guess, traditional job as a structural engineer. So I'll probably say that a year ago. And then at the same time, starting two years ago, I've always taken on so-called side hustles or side projects. So mm-hmm. so the idea of that is to be able to pursue something on the side and eventually be able to something I'm passionate about. And then eventually I'll be able to probably bring that into my more day-to-day life. Okay. And since doing that, I guess my traditional job starting to change in that direction now. So I'm probably getting closer to working most of my week in, in something that I'm really passionate about and, uh, and stuff I really enjoy. So. so tell us a bit about that because a lot of people do have passions, but there's many people and I meet them every day who have amazing passions, but they're putting it to the side because they're like, no, I've got to pay my bills. I've got a mortgage. I've got a family, et cetera, et cetera. Why have you had the guts to be able to go ahead, look for what it is you want, but also to understand that you can bring them together? Mm. I guess it's, it's, for me, I look at it from the end in mind. So I look at it from, say, the sometimes, I've probably got this from a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where it takes you through this process where you look at your life from the very end as if you're in the, in the funeral. So I think, if you look at it from that perspective, you don't want to miss this chance we've got to actually, I guess, live the, the fullest life you possibly can and actually try and make a, an impact on the world. So mm-hmm. I guess it, it just comes from wanting to make a, a, a difference in, in the time I've got or I've, I'm lucky enough to have in the world. So, And, yeah, so that's probably led me to probably being a bit more fire in the belly to be able to, I guess, after your, your day-to-day work, be able to, you know, put in an extra x amount of hours every day and on on most of the weekend as well to to try and yeah pursue something a bit more so yeah it's been good and do you find because you love it that you do have that fire to do it that it doesn't tire you that you've got that extra energy yeah i'd say 
I'd say it's interesting because like the few things I do on the side, it's it's at the time I don't really really I love podcasts, but at the time I get that little bit of un, uncomfortable. So I don't think on the when I'm doing something on the side that's uncomfortable, it's you know mm-hmm. great for growth and everything like that. But in the actual moment, it's not something fit that feels so good. It's something that's really uncomfortable and kind of uneasy. But I think in the long run, it's it's yeah. I think I think effort comes first and sometimes passion can come later as well. I think that's probably a bit contrary to what a lot of a lot of people might do. So I think once you, I guess, choose what you want to work hard against and then, yeah, your passion will follow that once you, I guess, you really dive into it. So that's what I found for me anyway. So your side hassle is your podcast. You've got two podcasts. What are their names? Yeah, so the first one is called What You Will Learn. So me and a, a mate of mine, Adam Ashton, we read a book every week and then uh, about a year and a half ago we thought we'd we just talked we had we had dinner and, and meals together and we just talked about books so we thought why not you know let's just record this mm-hmm. and then we recorded it and then over about three months we weren't really looking if there was any downloads or anything like that but it was we started looking and it was like slowly growing and then over some time we saw it was exponential and then you know after that we we just kept on recording and recording and recording and then all of a sudden we had a bit of an audience and we're getting access to some of the people we never thought we'd be able to meet, mm-hmm. I guess. And yeah, it's been a, that started off as something because I guess a side hustle or a side project that has uh, really started to take off a bit. And then eventually if we wanted to, we can start putting ads on and, and monetizing and, mm-hmm. and um, I guess, you know, making more of a livelihood if, if, if I wanted to pursue that direction as opposed to engineering. Yeah, so you're when you're talking about that, you're actually recognizing that you have a choice about where that goes. That just because it is moving exponentially doesn't mean that you're going to stay doing that forever if it doesn't suit you anymore. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, exactly. It's it's being flexible at the same time as yeah. So it's something we're really passionate about reading, and then and then I guess we we did follow that that passion reading, and then doing stuff about it was recording and then now and now it is probably can get some kind of career out of it if we, if we wanted to as well with it yeah something being something on the side mm. and so what what is it about it being on the side because it must take up a big part of your life if you're a full-time engineer and then you've got mm. two podcasts you're running yeah yeah well it's yeah it's something I I really enjoy both of them and it's it's really because I already read a lot, and so did, so did Adam. So it's not really not a hell of a lot more time after it. Like we do it very raw. We just record, do hardly any editing, and just just throw it up there. And that's yes. and we you know say stupid shit all the time, and <laughs> and we just let it go. And and that that's why we've got followers. <laughs> stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. So it can get get pretty silly. But yeah, and then through that, it's like learning a new skill, which was podcasting, and then I guess combining that with my traditional skill set, which was engineering, and then that's how I, I started the, the new podcast, which is called The Future of Structures, yep. and that's been alive for like three months or something like that now, and it's, yeah, it's starting to, you know, I'm meeting people who I'd never get to meet in the, in the buildings industry, so I guess um, building a network and just the people I'm learning off uh, in sustainability, which is what I'm most passionate about. It's been, it's been absolutely phenomenal. So, mm. yeah, it's been, been fantastic. 
So what is it for you when, you, when you're loving a job or your side hustle or both? What is it that you're looking for? You just talked about how you're learning a lot from all these people you're meeting. Is that the main driver for you or what is it? Yeah, so it, wouldn't, it, it definitely wouldn't be financial. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's definitely, so for the buildings one, it's curiosity. I'm, I'm very curious and uh, very willing to learn and I guess that's probably the area at the same time I want to make an impact as well in the buildings industry and sustainability. And I was thinking, you know, you could do the traditional path, which is maybe you go and do extra study, which might be a master's or an MBA. But I thought maybe going this path of doing a podcast combining skills I already have might be a much more efficient way of learning mm. uh, really unique things and, and yeah, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, did that answer your question? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's interesting you talk about that because today while I was at the gym, while I was on the bike, I was reading a book called Big Magic. Okay. And part of what she speaks about in that, it's about how to get in touch with your creativity. And part of what she speaks in that, and I've forgotten her name, Elizabeth Elizabeth Gilbert, the one who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah, nice. uh, <laughs> This is her self-help book. The, what she talks about in there is you don't necessarily need to do traditional learning and especially when she's talking about creativity, a lot of creative people yeah. uh, don't need to actually have that learning. In fact, she was talking about all the Nobel Prize winners for literature. Yeah. None of them have done a master's in oh, wow. So yep. there's a whole lot of things about how do we learn and do we need to go down that traditional path or are we better learning through speaking as you're doing, through listening to other people, making access mm. to other people. What are your thoughts on that? Because it's such a, a, a big topic between families and, you know, what they're meant to be doing. Yeah, well, I think I think um, what you, the traditional path isn't, it might have been the right kind of path maybe a generation ago when mm-hmm. I think, I guess, uh, a lot of the, the in- industries were more like factory economy. So if you were told to sit in the one spot and do the same repetitive tasks mm. over and over again, I think a lot of our education is based around that. Whereas now it's not really, it's more, I guess, being, being creative and, and all those kind of things. So yeah, I think, I think it, the traditional path it, that isn't as useful anymore. And, um, mm. you know, I'm, I'm still young myself, so maybe I'm maybe <laughs> it's a little bit biased, but and on top of that, so it's, I think it's a much more efficient way of if you really ask, like, what's your purpose of your learning? So if whatever skills you're trying to learn, you step yeah. back and really understand specifically when you learn, what you want to learn. And maybe it's an, a master's for some skills, but maybe there's other ways of doing it. And then, you know, for me, the podcasting part, it's, it's much cheaper as well. So <laughs> That's true. You don't have to pay your hands. <laughs> you, you don't have to pay 50 grand on a degree start a podcast and it's something super uncomfortable at the start just because you're speaking to people and, you know, you go into meetings with CEOs in, in the city and, and all that kind of stuff. So people you're not used to speaking to. Mm-hmm. But once you do it and I guess the people you can build a network with and all that, it's for me it's like a hundred, at least a hundred or a thousand times more efficient than a, a master's would have been for me for sure. Absolutely. And so how, what was that drive of to get you past, you've just talked about how it was fearful for you in the beginning to go and talk to these people you weren't used mm. to speaking to, but you got through that. A lot of people don't take that step. They have an idea, but they don't follow through. What is it that drove you to do it? Do you think? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's every, every time you're uncomfortable, it's for me, it's a, it's a really good place to be because that's exactly where you grow. And mm. And if you want to new results or anything kind of different, I think you got to grow into a new person if you want 
if you want results or if you want to make a bigger impact on the world, you got to change the person and, and grow into that. And I think where that is, it's being that little bit of discomfort or the little bit of butterflies you get. So, and I think if you, you know, you live a life without without that, where you can just maybe just just go through the motions every day and, and just do the same monotonous stuff, mm-hmm. it's not really it's not really exciting. If you, you take a step back and look at it, it's it's pretty. Can I swear? Pretty. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's if I want to make a change or or change something in the world, then I've got to grow into the person who who's able to do that. And and yeah, so it's it's an uncomfortable slog at, at times. And and um, we've talked about some of the things that have started working for me, but there's been a lot of failures as well in the you know in the meantime. So sure, and that discomfort with failure is a really important thing, and because that is how people learn, that is how we step up. It is how we got light bulbs. Is a classic example everyone uses, but yeah. then the Wright brothers flying. We all know those, but it's exactly that. So why do you, have you embraced failure? Because again, mm. many people don't. So there's a book. Have you heard of the book called Mindset by Carol Dweck? No, go ahead. So she talks it. about the the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. So. Mm-hmm. Say, say for a skill, something like public speaking, that's really, you know, people, a lot of people are uncomfortable to do public speaking. If you're in the fixed mindset, then you see uh, those kind of skills as fixed and, and you're born with these skills and the, all the abilities innate. So these people, these people in the fixed mindset really wouldn't approach these kind of tasks. Whereas if in the growth mindset, you can see that everything is, is learnable, absolutely everything. So. I think with that, you can see failure as a stepping stone or part of the learning process. And no matter what you're trying to do, everything is obtainable with with the right kind of effort. Mm-hmm. And the failures in this kind of mindset, failures are just a, yeah, a stepping stone to growing into whatever you need to do to learn the new skills, wherever they may be. So, yeah, yeah sure. it's one of my favorite books. I think, um, yeah, all your listeners will get a lot out of that if they haven't read it already. Is it on your podcast? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. we'll have so, to listen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's right. So, what is it though that can take you to that next level? Because yes, you've embraced failure, but we can't be perfect at everything. Mm. So, obviously, there's support that we need along the way. Yes, we can apply ourselves to a lot of things, but sometimes it's a waste of our time if someone can do that better for us. So, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's perfectionism. Uh, if if someone's a perfectionist, and a lot of engineers are like this. It can really be a, a, a bad trait to have if you want to do things because if you're perfectionist, it's kind of like you're, it's, it's perfectionism is kind of like the enemy of done, I think. Whereas if you let yourself be vulnerable and not put out perfect things, mm. you know, I guess start moving through and then, then, then yeah, I think, I think embracing vulnerability is probably the, is the way to go to, to be able to put out these kind of projects. So, because mm. the first time you start to try and create things on your own, it can be really, really scary because it's, you know, something you've worked really hard on. Mm. And if you're a perfectionist, it'll probably never get out there just because it's it's never going to be perfect, the things you put out. So I think you um being able to embrace vulnerabilities is really important because, you know, you, you probably are going to cop shit off some people when you um try and step up and yeah. and do something new and do something different and or innovate or speak up in a meeting or anything like that, there is a chance of failure and just embracing vulnerability is probably something to be mindful of to, to help, yeah. 
Yeah. The only thing I would like to say, though, is I would like my structural engineer to be completely <laughs> a perfectionist with his calculations. Yeah. <laughs> there is a space for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, structural engineering, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be getting those wrong. I don't <laughs> well, I think, I think it's, it does apply for something like a podcast or something like that. I remember our first ones we did for What You Will Learn. It was just, it was really, it was, it was just shit, the first ones. We, we had people cooking in the background. We, <laughs> the audio was really bad, but we just did it anyway. And then mm-hmm. from there, you've got your start and then you can just build and make it better as you, as you go and iterate and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I yeah. think what I love about what you just said is we just did it anyway. Mm. You actually just took a step. And it is only going to go up. You are going to get, we all will get better at something we keep practicing and keep doing and get more comfortable with. How have you found, have you reflected on that growth since you first started to your comfort level now as you're doing your podcast or both of them? Yeah, it's, it's expanded a lot. I remember before the first uh, interview, author interview we had, it was like, I was probably nervous, probably, you know, six hours beforehand a little bit because wow. it was like a big author and all that. And then, and then after that, it kind of got shorter. And now to the point, it's it's very rare I'd get as nervous now, maybe like a few minutes beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're at the start. It was, yeah, it was, it was very nerve-wracking. And then I guess, you know, growth in that area as well, it does apply to other areas of life where it might be like doing presentations or speaking mm-hmm. up at meetings or having uncomfortable conversations with mm-hmm. people as well. So, Yeah. Do you think that thing with the authors when they were first coming, I know Seth Godin was one of the guys that you've had on and mm. you've had some pretty special people. Is part of that coming back to feeling not good? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but why do we as human beings get those nerves when basically we're just talking to another human being? Why do you think we, mm. we get that discomfort? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it comes down to, I don't know, maybe you perceived we're, we're worried about how we we're perceived with other people and some kind of insecurity underneath. Mm. I'd like to get your your opinion on that as well. Maybe uh, oh, throwing it, throw um, it back. I think I think definitely every reaction that we have, which is a strong reaction, and especially nervousness, uh, is something that does come back to a discomfort within us. Because if we are comfortable, we wouldn't be feeling. Mm. So, you know, the extent of nerves that you're talking about. So I th- for me, whenever that happens or when something's fearful for me, I, I acknowledge it. I take time to yep. step back and go, wow, why am I nervous or why am I fearful? Is there something in it? Like fear's a legitimate thing. Totally. We're meant to feel fear. Yeah. But too often in our modern day, we don't have saber-toothed tigers after us. Yeah. So we don't actually need to do it. And it's actually our own thoughts holding us back. The what ifs, why, why would that, what happens if that happens? And yeah. often I find that the worst case scenario when I think about what that might be, isn't that yeah. bad? Yeah, totally. I'll be That's all right. right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, for me, I think it does come down to what is it in us. And it's a really that nervousness about meeting someone who might yeah. be considered more intelligent, more beautiful, more, 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 whatever. Mm. I think that is if I'm feeling discomfort in that, there's a reflection in me about where am I not feeling good enough. So it's an opportunity yeah. for me to explore that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great point you make. And I think being mindful of if you can take a step back and just like look at it and understand it. And I think mindfulness kind of techniques really help in these kind of situations mm. as well. Cause like you don't you don't get fully consumed by the emotion of fear. Mm. Yeah, you don't get fully consumed by it. And then if you can take a step back and look at it and then 
then you can understand, you know, maybe the worst case scenario is nothing's going to happen. We're just having a conversation. Mm. And so I guess looking at it analytically as well kind of does help because if you look at it from the point of view of the worst case scenario, then mm. you realise, yeah, there's, you're just being fearful for, for absolutely nothing sometimes. Absolutely. And it's um, often our thoughts that are holding us back. Mm. And when we actually go through and do whatever it is that we were scared to do, yeah. It was never as bad. Yeah. Not always, but often. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. So So yeah. what mindfulness uh, things do you use? So every every day part of my uh, morning routine, I'll wake up and and go to the gym first thing in the morning. So it'll be like five AM and then from the gym I'll go to catch the train to work and mm-hmm. I'll meditate on the train mm-hmm. for about twenty fifteen to twenty minutes using so I'm using Calm now. In the past, I used Headspace, mm-hmm. and I've also got also got Insight Timer, which I which I've started to use okay, at PM as well. So um, okay. in the morning and every night, I'll I'll try and meditate for 20 minutes, yep. and then so in the morning, then I'll get to a cafe and read for about 30 to 40 minutes. So you know, oh, before work, routine. Oh, That's I absolutely awesome. love it. So you got the gym, meditation, book, cafe, uh, coffee, and yeah, read to start the day. So. Yeah, and yeah. it's actually covering every base because you've got your fitness covered, which yeah. of course helps with all the endorphins, and then you've got your your calm, and then you're stimulating your your head. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> do you uh do you meditate yourself, Tina? I do, and I often um do. I can do it like you. I used to do it on the train, but yeah. without a without a system, I actually can turn off quite easily. But uh, I go for daily walks along the beach, and that's definitely a form of meditation for me. I can go and sit in a corner and do it, but my walking along the beach. And part of what is lovely for me with that is every day the beach is different. The tide's in a different spot. The bird life's different. The clouds are different. And so it reminds me that every day is different and I become very present in what that feels like. I prefer to go for a walk along the beach on my own yeah, because it is my time. I can do it with other people, but for me it's a time to clear my head and I come back and I am much more energized for it and I'm much more creative because of it. I can tell the difference of days when I've when I've missed it. Yeah. yeah. I think meditation for me is probably the most highly leveraged use of time you could possibly have. I think Absolutely. You, you have 20 minutes or whatever, it is it is probably the most productive or the most worthwhile thing you can do in, in your whole day. Okay. So people who don't, you know, who are too busy to meditate, I think mm-hmm. you know that maybe they need hours of meditation as opposed to 20 minutes, I think. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, I, I was mentioning that I had an event in Adelaide earlier in the week mm-hmm. and I actually said in that during the weekdays, I only allow myself 40 minutes for my beach walk, yeah. but that 40 minutes makes me work so much more effectively. I yeah. get so much more done. So it's actually a really good investment for return on investment, yeah. 100 times better than the days I don't do it. Totally. And I think it helps with, because I think being productive might be important in some things, but I think a hundred times more important is choosing the right thing to work on mm. as opposed to working on the wrong thing productively. Yes. Something for like med- uh, meditation and mindfulness can make you take the step back and look at, you know, what you're actually working on in your life. Because like say if you're in a jungle, you might be chopping really, there's a good analogy in a book I read, I forget which one, but where you're, you're chopping wood in the jungle and you might get chop harder and harder and and quicker, but you know, you might get toward the end of your, your life and realise you've been in the wrong jungle mm. the whole time. So you're better off, you know, getting in a chopper 
getting above and then finding out where your your time is best to be spent on. Yes. And yeah, meditation is something that definitely helps in, in that area, choosing the right things. Yeah, for sure. And what I love about that is it's really about making those choices for yourself and sometimes we need to... St- we always need to step out to actually yeah. see that. And meditation is giving us that space, that mm. clearing in the jungle to actually be able to take take advantage of how we work best, when we work best, and what's actually important for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Just another one of those those habits, which I think you were kind of pointing on, I think just installing the right kind of habits in your life, mm. yeah, can make everything else much easier. And meditation is, yeah, is, is something everyone probably should really consider bringing in. and you're obviously you mentioning a lot of books that you're reading as you said you read a book a week but there's obviously a lot of value that you're getting out of that because you're pulling on all these different concepts the ones which work for you and applying them where it suits in your life and that's that must be a huge tool to be able to take into into your life yeah yeah definitely uh books the thing with me for books is someone's whole whole life's work. So it might be like a you've written a book yourself. So you know everything that all the best stuff from your brain condensed down into a book. Someone can buy for oh some of the best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to come. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Um, you know, for twenty or thirty dollars, you can access some of the someone's best insights of the best people in the world, and for ten hours, for ten hours and thirty bucks, yeah. I think it's the best deal in the absolute world. So. Mm. You know, books can change your life. Yep. They have for me, especially with, you know, some of them like I used to be heavily addicted to smoking and this this kind of stuff and, and it was a book that quit smoking in my life. So right there, you know, that's it's what, $15,000 a year probably. Wait, maybe I didn't smoke that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five grand a year or something and sure. years of your life. So just from a book. Yeah, absolutely. So how can we get in touch with you if listeners want to see your work and hear you? Yep. So you can find me at my podcast. So if you if you Google what you will learn podcast, mm-hmm. or if you're in the buildings industry and you want to learn more about this podcast, you can Google Future of Structures podcast um, and both of their websites. So whatyouwillearn.com and futureofstructures.com. So yeah, and then and then my email you can find in there as well. So Adam at futureofstructures.com. Love it. Thank you. One thing that you actually touched on, and it's something that I always ask my guests, is in 50 years' time, where do you see yourself? Who, who do you see around you? What sort of environment are you hoping to be in? Great question. I would my dream in 50 years' time would be I'd be in the buildings industry and had a big impact on embodied emissions which is like i guess the structural related sustainability and you know own own a company that's having having a significant impact in that area mm-hmm. and the people around me inspirational and want to want to make positive changes in the world definitely because the who you hang around with as you as you know is is absolutely everything so, mm. Mm. do you want to elaborate on that on who you hang around with and why it's so important i think it's you, you obviously grow up with some of your high school kind of people, you know, and which is great and you can be mates. But if if you want to make changes in your life, then you probably need to hang around the people that uh, you you want to emulate and you want to be a, a bit more like, and which can be extremely painful at times because you get to you get to let go of some people who might be holding you back. But yeah, because you are the average of the, the five people you, you're with. It's it's true. It's a, yeah. a popular saying, but. 
And yeah, and, and you might be uncomfortable hanging around these kind of people at first who um who you you know who you want to probably emulate and be a bit more like, but it's it's absolutely everything I think. Who's been your biggest influence amongst the people that you've met so far that uh, is making a difference for your life and how you move forward? So one of the pers- one of the probably the biggest would be the guy my co-host of of uh, what you will learn Adam Ashen. So I guess having you know both of us reading so much every week and we we both do take on so many different side projects and you know it's just normal for me and him to be working probably all weekend so that's mm-hmm. my new normal whereas if I hang out with people who just wanted to drink beers and um just party all weekend then probably that's what my normal would be but my normal sure. now has shifted to to I guess just working on fun projects and and yeah just trying to get more out of life so yeah and it's definitely from everything that you're saying there's a big leaning towards wanting to make an impact, wanting to make a difference. I can sense from what you're talking about and what I know of you that environmental is definitely the way that you want to make that sort of impact. Why is that so important? Why do you think that's who you are and why that's important to you when you in 50 years' time? Yeah, well, if you just, I think if you just take a step back and look at what humans are doing to the planet and what unique time we are on Earth right now, mm-hmm. we actually are on like the, the, the brink of human pretty much suicide it's very morbid morbid way to look at it but it's it's true like right now we are at that point now where if we don't make if we don't change the status quo human beings are going to be extinct and there's only one earth at the moment that we can actually access so you know if people if people don't make changes then then we're pretty much (laughs) (laughs) so you want to sort of hang around a bit longer is what you're saying (laughs) i want to hang around and you know at the end i think it's important to know you were one of the ones who tried because yeah say in 50 years time say for your kids they'll be asking you know you knew global warming was coming you knew you're on the verge of environmental collapse what did you do about it and Mm. i think we are going to get asked that question in a a generation's time like Mm. you knew it was coming and what the hell did you do about it so you know, if someone asked that in 50 years' time, I want to know, you know, how to crack at something at least. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So to finish up, what would you like to leave with all of us about how they people can design their best life? What's what's your golden nugget for us? Ooh, we'll go for... <laughs> <laughs> You've got a few. <laughs> um, we'll go for if you want to... It won't be an eloquent saying, but if you want to be able to give more in, in your... Or, give more in your life you need to grow into to someone who can do that (laughs) (laughs) essentially what i'm saying is you know just go out there grow do what makes you uncomfortable and you'll get more out of life so we'll leave with that maybe i love it thank (laughs) you so much adam you've been an absolute inspiration i love where you're going and how you're contributing to the world and you're doing it in your own unique way and finding your own way amongst all of that and um, connecting with amazing people. So thank you for doing that. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you, Tina. I absolutely loved it. And uh, I look forward to listening to the podcast as it grows. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. Are you ready to create the life you want? Pop over to tinamurray.com to grab your free copy of the Design You Cheat Sheet and start creating the life you want right now. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Design You podcast. You'll find the show notes over at tinamurray.com. Can't wait to see what you create as you design it, communicate it, and live it.